0: So good evening, everyone. Uh, My name is Osho Brad, and I am one of the priests with the Dragonfly Sangha. Uh, And this evening, I'd like to kick off a series of talks uh, that my fellow priest Osho Mike and I will lead around some of the basic teachings of our community, of the Dragonfly Sangha. Uh, And so a little bit about us and about our, uh, our Buddhist community. Uh, we were founded about twenty-five years ago, um, in nineteen ninety-seven, and we are a Navayana tradition. Uh, so you may have heard words like Mahayana, meaning great vehicle, um, or Hinayana, meaning smaller vehicle. Um, Navayana uh, essentially means new vehicle, uh, and so we're a, a more uh, contemporary expression of the Dharma uh, with roots in the the Japanese Zen. And Shin traditions, uh, we have communities, uh, uh, several communities around the U.S., Pennsylvania, uh, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Florida, Nevada, um, and folks all around the world who who practice with us uh, as our as a part of our spiritual community. It's um, so like I said, we're a, we're a modern expression of the Dharma, and one of the things that I I, I like about our practice is that we use. Uh, a lot of psychotherapeutic language to expound upon the Buddha's teachings, um, because Buddhism is at its core a very psychotherapeutic uh, tradition and and practice, right? Um, and it's very easy when it comes to Buddhism, you know, a a tradition like ours to kind of lose um, <coughs> to lose ourselves in some of the religious forms, uh, the smells and bells as we, we sometimes refer to them. Uh, so incense, um, pictures and statues of different Buddhas, chants and liturgy and meditation and things like that, and say, oh, I'm doing it, right? <laughs> but when it comes down to it, the core of Buddhist practice is to truly and freely live out of our Buddha nature or our true self. So, like I said, I, I want to talk or, or start a series of talks um about some of our basic teachings Um, and so we're going to discuss some of these uh in the next few videos um and and hope that we can clearly explain some of these concepts Uh, but we do encourage you to practice because it's it is one thing to understand some of these principles intellectually but when you start to reflect and apply it to your your life uh, and your way of seeing the world uh, you can really take them to heart and experience real change. Um, so, let me begin by sort of uh, uh, defining a few terms um, that we'll, we'll talk about over the next few weeks. Um, and, and I specifically want to focus on the ego self. Uh, because you hear us talk a lot in Buddhism about the ego and Buddha nature, or the ego self and the true self. And so I want to start by discussing the ego self. Um, (coughs) I know when I first started practicing uh, and studying the Dharma, I heard a lot of people say, oh, the goal of Buddhism is to destroy the ego, or that the ego doesn't really exist. Um, And while we do believe that the ego is is, uh, empty of permanence, and you've heard me talk about that before, empty of sort of independent existence, It does exist, right? And we don't want to destroy it. We don't want to obliterate our ego. Uh, We want to be compassionate towards our ego and express our true self, our Buddha nature, through the uniqueness that is our ego self. Um, And to live through our ego self, we need to understand how the ego came to be uh, and some of the principles behind how the ego kind of works. So, I want to talk a bit about the origin of the ego-self, um, and I want to do this in a, in a few ways. Uh, first, through uh, the, the, the Buddhist teachings of the Skandhas, and then how we in the Dragonfly Sangha uh, sort of further interpret the, the five Skandhas. So, if you're not familiar with the Skandhas in Buddhism, um, the word Skanda essentially means uh, heaps or aggregates, it's the five things, the stuff, uh, the groups of stuff that make up the ego self. Um, we typically refer to these five things as form, sensation, perception, volition, and consciousness. So form is kind of what we're made of, our matter, our material, right? Sensation, our senses, so the five senses, uh, and then of course the sixth sense of the the thought of of thinking. Um, perception is our our ability to identify things. Um, Volition is when we're qualifying things as good or bad or neutral. We're developing an opinion about them, kind of starting to make up our mind about them, so to speak. And then consciousness, the fifth Skanda, is our sense of self. Um, I like to think of the fifth Skanda as the uh, fire that burns on the other four, right? Our fire-dentity, you can think of it as. um, Now, in our order, in the Dragonfly Sangha, uh, like I said, we further interpret the skandhas using a psychological and developmental lens. So we think of them sort of linearly um, as we develop as human beings. So when we're born, we think about that first skanda form. And this is our genetic heritage. So it's not only the stuff that, we, that makes us up, but we want to think about that first skanda in terms of what we got from our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents right? It's a lot of good things. Maybe some things that we we don't particularly like. Maybe we wish we were taller, wish we were shorter or thinner or what have you. But one of the reasons it's important to think about the the Skanda of form, this first phase in our development, um, as what we bring with us that we didn't necessarily choose, is because we sometimes have thoughts about the way that we are, that we wish we were different. I wish I wasn't so angry, or I wish I didn't have this health issue, or I wish I wasn't depressed. And we think, well, I'm just gonna force myself to be well, or I'm gonna force myself to be happy. Or people may tell us like, why don't you just smile more, right? And it's important to acknowledge that we may have a predisposition to um, certain conditions that are outside of our control. And when it comes to mental conditions, uh, there might be a case for treatment, such as medicine that goes along with things. And so we acknowledge that within our tradition that, you know, when it comes to mental health, uh, you know, Buddhist practice may just be part of what helps you, and that there might be other things that you you may need to to work on and 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 take to kind of help you be well. So that's the first skanda is is form you know, our birth, the things we bring with us. The second skanda of sensation, this phase is birth to about the age of seven or eight. And we typify this particular skanda um, by yin or feminine energy. It's often uh, derived or kind of rooted from uh, our mothers um, or, you know, our biological mothers or the person playing the maternal role in our upbringing. Right, so this is our development of our emotional and our physical senses when we're very young. Our perception then, uh, this phase, this skandic phase, is age about 8 to 12 or 13. And where the skanda of sensation is focused on the yin or feminine energy, the skanda, this, this third skanda of perception, is focused on the yang or the masculine energy. And similarly, is related to one's father, um, or the person who played the role of a father, that paternal role in your life growing up. <coughs> Pardon me. And so this is when we're developing some of our uh, perceptions of the outside world and the things around us. Um, now, the fourth skanda, volition, um, typically in our development, this is ages 13 to 14 to around 25, this is really when we're crafting our relationship to our environment and starting to determine our place in the world, so to speak. So now we're starting to compare ourselves to others, right? And make some of our choices and decisions and actions based on those comparisons and our, our perception of our place in the world. And then the fifth skanda or fifth phase in our development um, begins to emerge in the third or fourth Phase, but really culminates around age twenty-five, um, which which also happens to be the time around when our brain is finished developing, and this is when we tend to have that sense of, this is who I am, this is my identity, right? That that sense of consciousness. Um, now, in Buddhism, the this aggregation of elements and developments, these phases of growth. Uh, constitute the ego self and what we mean by the ego self. Um, And maybe as I was walking through some of those descriptions, you thought, oh yeah, okay, I see myself in that. I definitely felt like I had a better sense of myself, you know, in that later part of my life, around 25. Maybe you have um, children and you can see in them, oh yeah, they're definitely in this skondic phase. Um, And so that's something that we uh, uh, it's it's a an, an element of development that we use for interpreting and, and adding more depth to the skandhas and the formation of the ego self. Now, once we have that sense of self, we generally want things to be stable, right? We try to maintain that um, as best as we can. Now, things happen. They rock our boat a little bit. Um, but they generally have a way of leveling out the same way that, um, you know, you you disturb a, a, a surface of water, it'll eventually go smooth again, right? Um, our psyches, then our egos, um, they have that natural tendency towards stability as well, uh, just like how we may lose our balance, but then we kind of steady ourselves, right? However, certain experiences, uh, really. Are particularly dis- destabilizing <laughs> on us. Uh, in our practice, we call them eruptions. And there are really four eruptions that we um, acknowledge that uh, we all experience, you know, at least one of these, um, most of us, probably all of them, at some point in our lives. And they tend to kind of wake us up a little bit and make us realize, ooh, Things aren't always going to be the way that I expect them to be um, when I when I sort of establish my sense of self uh, and, and the way that I thought my ego would always kind of level out. Those four eruptions are uh, relationships, aging, mortality, and anxiety and depression. Uh, the first one, relationships. This is typically an eruption caused by our first mature relationship. Could be a romantic relationship or marriage. Um, <clears throat> It changes our perception of the world. Um, Having a child uh, is also an incredibly powerful experience for a person to have, uh, an incredibly powerful relationship to have. Uh, The eruption of aging, this is when we're getting older, maybe things are harder for us than they used to be, um, or we're experiencing people around us getting older and things are changing, right? The third eruption is mortality, so a serious illness, uh, maybe a near-death experience, or the death of someone close to us is, a, is an incredibly powerful experience uh, and destabilizing experience. And then the last one is is anxiety or depression, and this can have a lot of different causes. Um, you know, anything that, that brings about intense distress or sadness could be, you know, economic stress, um, could be socio-political strife. Things around you that you see that make you incredibly upset and and make you seek out some kind of stability that you don't seem to be able to find uh, by, by way of your ego. Um, sometimes we look for religious or social absolutes. We just want some hard and fast rules. Someone tell me what to do. Tell me what's right and wrong. And we have a harder time kind of riding the boat because our sense of the world and our place in it has been challenged. Um, now, oftentimes we look at these eruptions as something purely negative, and certainly they're, they're hard, they're difficult, um, but they're also an opportunity for us to deepen our awareness of who we are um, and align ourselves to something more stable than our ego self, specifically our, our true self, um, which uh, Osho Mike, uh, we'll, we'll discuss uh, in next week's talk a bit more. So this sort of development of the ego self and the way that we uh, seek stability, sometimes get rocked a little bit, but generally seek stability, this is our basic programming, you can almost think. It's sort of like our, our uh, uh, interaction of our hardware and our software a little bit, the way that we generally go about things. Um, because the ego self in, in some regards can be kind of predictable, you know, and this way of experiencing the world through the ego is something that we call the process or the, the cycle of causal origination, because we notice as the ego experiences the world that the same kind of cycle seems to run, the same program uh, almost kind of seems to run. And the way that it runs is like this. Um, And this cycle that we experience kind of goes like this. We experience things in the world. We experience them enough times that we start to notice patterns. We expect certain things to happen, right? Holidays are fun. Birthdays are nice. That person's cool. That person's not so cool. That type of person I like or don't like, right? We have these patterns. These patterns then become beliefs. This is the way the world is. This is the way that I am. And as our days unfold, we experience, uh, or the things that we experience, cause thoughts to arise in our minds. And those thoughts very quickly manifest themselves as feelings. I'm angry, I'm sad. These feelings uh, present themselves both psychically and, and somatically, meaning that we both think them and we feel them, right? We have that moment of, ooh, in my gut. I feel this, this thing, or oh, I, I have tension in my head, right? So we, we feel, you know, our bodies are emotional as well, right? Based on those feelings, we take actions. Our actions tend to be aggressive or passive, uh, and how we take action tends to rely a bit on our, uh, on, on nature and nurture. So if you're more extroverted, you might tend to act more aggressively. And act out against things. If you tend to be more introverted, you may have a more passive behavior, which means that you withdraw from things. But withdrawal is still an action. Um, And then, of course, those actions, whether they're aggressive or passive, they have consequences. Those consequences lead to additional experiences, and the cycle repeats, right? The experiences lead to thoughts, the thoughts lead to feelings, the feelings manifest as actions, actions lead to consequences, consequences to experiences, over and over again, right? Now, out of all of the things in that cycle, the one that's probably the easiest for us to notice, and the one that trips us up the most, are feelings, right? We notice when there are feelings. Uh, I wish I didn't get so angry at that person. I feel down, but I don't know why. And our feelings often arise so quickly after our thoughts that we don't even think that our thoughts are there. It's just a gut reaction, right? I feel this way. Um, And sometimes, because of how quickly our feelings present themselves in our lives, we feel that they're sort of naturally or morally fixed and justified. You know, I'm righteous in my anger. I can't help it that I feel this way. But... Our feelings really don't exist without thoughts. And so our thoughts are where we need to focus our attention. Um, And to kind of, to back this up, I want to very briefly paraphrase the opening lines of the Dhammapada. Um, (coughs) Because there are times where I I think, you know, when I'm feeling uh, conflicted, or I'm dealing with something challenging, and I keep thinking like, oh, I just wish I could change that thing. And have to remember these opening lines, and they are all experiences preceded by mind, led by mind, made by mind. Speaker act with a corrupted mind, and suffering follows, as the wagon wheel follows the hoof of an ox. And on the flip side of that, it goes on to say, Speaker act with a peaceful mind, and happiness follows, like a never departing shadow. And so in the The Dragonfly Sangha, our basic teachings, are focused on freeing our mind from the delusions that our feelings are fixed and that we can't help them or do anything about them. And our our practices are focused more on how can we suss out the thoughts that are driving those feelings and how can we then, in so doing that, live out of our true self, have our true self our Buddha nature, manifests itself through our ego. And not just have this constant rocking of the boat. Um, But doing that, finding that stability, and taking actions that can um, change that cycle of causal origination. It takes inquiry, and it takes practice. Um, And it takes time. So, over the next few weeks, Uh, Osho Mike and I will be discussing some models uh, that describe the thought patterns we experience on a daily basis, Uh, the thought patterns that tend to be behind the feelings that we experience um, on a daily basis, and how those models can help us better understand the source of those feelings and what's happening in the ego and the dynamism between the ego self and the true self, Uh, and then how, based on that understanding, we can take action creative and experimental action to form new, more helpful, and more compassionate thoughts. So, I I hope as always that (coughs) uh, these teachings were helpful. Uh, If you'd like to learn more about our practice, or would like someone to talk to, um, please do visit us uh, online um, at AskSenseiTony.com, or dragonflysangha.com. Um, and of course, everything that, that I spoke about here this evening um, and everything that, that Mike will be talking about um, in, in his Dharma talks uh, can be found in, in the book that lays out the, the teachings of our order, uh, Free Your Mind, uh, by uh, Sensei Anthony Stoltz. So I hope you all have a great week and uh, I will see you again Uh, to talk a bit further about some of the mindfulness models um, that are a part of the Dragonfly Sangha. Thank you.